I really didn't want to leave intense. Like we put far too much effort into that bike and then, okay, my motivation is to get two million budget and go out and sign like Bruni, Loris Vergier and whoever else, you know, it's like we had two broken trucks and one broken arm. And now that has of course come at a cost and um Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, a quick thanks to our supporting partners. This episode is proudly sponsored by We Are One Composites. As avid Downtime listeners know, I'm a huge fan of We Are One's wheels and for good reason. It all comes down to two key factors, their incredible attention to detail and their exceptional engineering skills. We Are One's meticulous precision means that everything they produce is of the highest quality, but what truly sets their wheels apart is the engineering behind them. With a laser focus on achieving the ideal balance between stiffness and compliance, We Are One delivers wheels that offer a precise yet comfortable ride. What's more, in my years of using the product, I've encountered zero issues and required no maintenance, a true testament to their durability and craftsmanship. And exciting news for all downtime listeners. Throughout February, We Are One is offering an exclusive 20% discount site-wide, excluding frames and bikes. Simply enter the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2024 at the end of the checkout process on weareonecomposites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2024 with no spaces at weareonecomposites.com. This episode is also supported by Shimano, who've recently launched their latest range of shoes designed to take the gravity mountain bike world by storm. They've got an even grippier updated ultra-red sole and an improved fit and feel on the bike thanks to their Torbal 2 sole technology, which balances stiffness and flexibility for peak performance and comfort on the trail. The range contains clip and flat pedal options, along with women-specific designs with a slightly tweaked fit. Shimano are serious about providing great footwear for gravity-focused riding, so much so that you'll see them on one of the world's top downhill hill races this season. I've been testing the GF8 Gore-Tex shoes which are a flat pedal shoe that's built to perform in harsh wet cold conditions and we've had plenty of those of late in the UK. These shoes have received incredible reviews and I was really excited to try them. For the GF8 Shimano have tweaked the rubber chemistry of the sole to work in low temperatures and it's worked. The grip was great. They're not heavy or hot to wear managing somehow to breathe well and yet on a snowy ride combined with a pair of merino socks my feet never got cold. It's a reflection on just how good these shoes are that on wet and cold rides I've not thought about them. My feet have always been comfortable and stuck to the pedals just how I want them. So if you're in the market for some new shoes I'd highly recommend checking out Shimano's new gravity range over on their website mtb.shimano.com or at your local Shimano dealer. If you're not sure where your nearest dealer is then look for the big blue button marked find my dealer on the Shimano MTB homepage. All right, just a couple of quick things before we get stuck into this week's episode. First off, make sure you never miss an episode of the show by following the podcast. Just hit the follow button in your podcast app now or find dedicated buttons to help you at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also keep up to date with what's going on by following us on Instagram or Facebook where we're at Downtime Podcast. If you want more downtime, then join the newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter, where you'll get exclusive behind the scenes insights, mountain biking snippets, product reviews, partner offers, and more. If you want to support the show, you can join our Patreon over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash Patreon, or grab yourself some merch from downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Just a quick reminder that merch is now shipping locally in both the UK and the US, which is going to make the US shipping cheaper than it has been in the past. If you prefer to watch today's episode, check out the podcast on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. All the links that I've mentioned will be in the show notes for this episode on the website downtimepodcast.com. 
All right, today I'm joined by Joe Breeden and Ollie Morris, the team owner and team manager for the new Intense Factory Racing Team. We hear what led to Joe deciding to form the team and what his vision for Intense Factory Racing looks like. Joe, Ollie and I discuss what it takes to create a high performance environment, the meticulous selection of riders and staff, and just how hard it is to get support in the current bike industry climate. What's clear in this episode is the energy and passion that Joe and Ollie have, providing great insight into the importance of not just the equipment you ride, but the environment in which you do it. So, without further ado, here's Joe Breeden and Ollie Morris. Ollie Morris, Joe Breeden, uh, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. Ollie, we'll start with you, man. I've missed uh, I've missed our chats. It's been a while since the last post race show of last year. How's things? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, we're gonna have to start like I don't know doing post races for like regional rounds <laughs> through the winter or something to stay in touch, Chris, aren't we? But um, nice, yeah, also. Also, uh, also miss our missed our chats. It's uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into the season. And uh, although with this new job, probably kind of happy to have a little bit more time to do some prep. But um, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck in. Thanks, mate. Yeah, you're going to be busy. We'll hear all about that in a second. And Joe, how about you, man? It's been a while. Are you good? Yeah, very well. Thank you again. Uh, the most hectic, biggest amount of graft I've ever seen in my life. But. Um, stoked to be where we are now and in New Zealand finally sort of easing back into training so yeah I'm stoked Nice how long have you been out in New Zealand? Oh we're just coming up to one week now so uh, first week of a month trip Very nice that'd be fun and you're living with a pretty fast crew? Yeah it's a hectic crew that's for sure we've got uh, Ronan Dunn uh, who I'm going to learn uh, a lot more from living with. And uh, we've got Andrew Skolb and Charlie Hatton here too. So, yeah, it's um, some hell of a crew, to be fair. Excellent. Good work, man. Well, we're here to chat about the uh, new incarnation of the Intense Factory Racing Team. Before we do that, Joe, let's just recap a little bit on your last few seasons quickly. Um, you'd had a couple of top 10s at World Cups in 2020 and 2021. The last seasons have been like more challenging for you i guess from like an injury perspective um what what's been going on you've had a few things that you've had to deal with eh? yeah um the transition to intense watch racing on 2022 in 2022 was uh you know we had a whole new bike whole new products whole new team so for me turning up at the first world cup still very much on a a new prototype bike that was changing every week also a whole new um team in terms of riders brands staff like I, I rocked up to Lords the first World Cup of that year and the only person I knew there was my mechanic stout um, so I just you know we it was a huge learning week should we say even just getting to know everybody and so, so, like feel familiar in the environment that I was in amongst the team um, that with a new bike and everything it, it was challenging and um, I didn't perform well there at all I rode pretty stiff and just didn't feel comfortable. Um, and then, you know, moving into Fort William, we had quite a block and I made some huge like steps forward and started to feel real confident. And I think I qualified top 30 and then, you know, in my race when I shattered my elbow. So uh, before I had time to settle in and, and become familiar with everybody and everything and confident, I was straight in the hospital uh, with a, with a very bad um, elbow injury. So from there, it was just, yeah, a huge recovery process and uh, that in itself was multiple surgeries and another huge challenge so 22 was uh, a bit of a write-off but I learnt a ton um, and then 23 again was was a bit of a struggle but yeah it's what, it's what 
that's what put me here now. So um, I can't complain. Everything happens for a reason. And uh, and like, yeah, last two years have been super, super stiff. But I think, as I said, we would not be in this position now, which I feel is great, uh, given the struggles, not given the struggles the last couple of years. So it's meant to be. I'm happy with it. And, um, you know, not every year is going to be smooth sailing. I came off a great two years before that. And hopefully looking forward to another great two years coming up now. So, uh, yeah. Good stuff, man. Before we move on from last season's racing now, I just want to hear about that incredible save at Val Sol from your perspective. That was one of the bit, one of the biggest saved moments I think I've seen in uh, mountain bike racing for a while. Yeah, um, a lot of people bring that one up. Uh, to be fair, you know, that that is... A significant example of my struggles last year, uh, even in 2022, is the arm pump. Um, I think I was, I was actually on a good one in Val de Sol. I think we're in top 15. And uh, and then, yeah, like towards the even the second half of the track, I, I really struggled to control the bike anymore because of arm pump. And by that point, the last drop into the braking bump. So I had like nothing left in my arms and I just hit a braking bump slightly wrong and left hand blew off. Uh, probably the highest speed section of the track and yeah like I didn't manage to get it back on for a while but fortunately got it back on just in in time before I nearly went over the bars onto my head so yeah if you haven't seen that clip I mean it explains it all it's pretty it's pretty gnarly and I was hugely frustrated but at the same time pretty thankful that I didn't end up back in hospital so um yeah yeah, that was just a prime example of the struggles I've been facing with arm pump and, and still something I'm trying to trying to figure out right now. Yeah, and potentially something in the locker this year that uh, may help with that, so we can chat about that in a sec. But before we do talk about kind of the upcoming season, how much involvement did you have alongside your mechanic, John, with the development of the bike as it stands now? Were you kind of involved in that? Because we hear, you know, talk of Aaron doing a lot of work at Windrock, but I think you... You had some say in some areas of it as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did a huge amount of testing for that bike, a uh, huge volume of laps um, across the whole two years, the last two years. And me and John, yeah, I think played a pretty influential role of, of key developments. Of course, um, you know, don't carry the name of Aaron Gwynn and Aaron Gwynn has that huge experience um, for what, what bikes work and don't work. So I think it was a collective team effort amongst everybody. Um, but I'd be surprised yeah, if, uh, if anybody was doing the number of laps that I was doing. Uh, they always used to joke at Intense um, about that. But yeah, everybody brought something to the table. And I think me and Stout brought um, some some great great steps forward with the bike. And uh, yeah, that was kind of another reason as to why I really didn't want to leave Intense. Like we put far too much effort into that bike. And, and where it's at now, it's like there's no way I could have helped develop that bike to the level I did and the amount of effort I put in and then just walk away from it as soon as it hits production. Like that was just no way going to happen. <laughs> I couldn't do yeah, that. totally. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. At what point in the season did you know then that the team wasn't continuing in, in at least in that guise into the 24 season? When did you find out? I think it was quite early for you guys, right? Yeah, fortunately it was World Champs Fort William where I had the call from Intense. Um, so, you know, plenty of time, uh, from then on, like that call on, I was straight to work. Cause as I said, that was like my worst nightmare was always that we, I'd put everything into this bike development wise. And obviously to the level we were committed to, 
to developing made it very difficult to race because we were just I was thinking right this is a bike that I'm hopefully going to race for the next several years to come so if I put everything into it now then I should seek the rewards for the years to come um, so the worst nightmare is to do that work and then the program discontinue and me not ride in tents and to um, rebuild with another brand like that was my worst nightmare and obviously from this phone call I was thinking okay this might actually this isn't looking positive but there's no way in which I'm happy to let that slip um, you know my years with Intensa I'm too attached to them and then now attached to the bike there's like okay there's a way there's there's something we can do to make this happen and um, yeah and that's what we've ended up with here so huge graph from you know World Champs Fort William that's when the news broke and and to you know our launch which was a few weeks ago now yeah so what like what was going through your head obviously you're like right i want to keep working with intense i like this bike i put a huge amount of work into it how many kind of iterations did you go through before you were like oh hang on maybe i'll just just i'll just be the team owner and we'll create a whole new team around this like how do we get to that point i guess that's a very good question um i think i've always wanted to run a team but never did I think it would come this early in my career. Uh, of course, immediately on that call, before I even come off it, I thought, okay, this might be the time, this might be the opportunity to uh, run a team and stay with intense. So in, initially from the, the off, I thought that it could be a way to make it happen. I didn't know if it was realistic or not, but I thought, let's start exploring the routes, let's start having the conversations with brands and people. And, and um, you know, every conversation just went better than I ever could have imagined, should we say. And everything started to line up and I thought, hang on a minute, this might actually be happening, this could actually happen. And uh, I think a, a huge part of it is that I could see uh, a great vision for uh, a team environment, great people to fill every role. And without that, it would not have been possible um, because, of course, it goes far beyond me, this team. And, uh, and I just thought I had... I could see such a good path for who to bring in. And with that, I saw a great team. I saw great brands. I saw great people. And, um, you know, hopefully a successful program. So without the likes of, say, John Stout, my mechanic, who's been head mechanic for UR for, I don't know, over five years. He's been my mechanic for the last three years. Um, like I knew he could come to the table and bring all that experience in from the head mechanic standpoint. Obviously had my eyes on Ollie, um, who, who I knew was kind of coming to the point of being in a position to want to take on a team manager role. And so, um, you know, they're two critical aspects. And then I have uh, Mark Griffiths, who, who was prepared well. After, you know, I wanted to decide I want to sign Oscar Griffiths, his son. Turns out he could um, help me from sort of more of a business standpoint because, you know, I'm a rider, I'm an athlete. Um, I've never ran uh, should we say a business like this before so kind of all all parties coming together um i was like god we've got a great team here like brands are on board let's make it happen nice man at what point did ollie become part of the vision then how long ago did you guys start talking about it um we we kind of flirted with the idea i think ollie had no idea what i was doing um but i was like digging deep trying to question um, like where he was at, what he wanted to do. But he honestly, for the first few months, had no idea what I was cooking up um, because I didn't want to 
I didn't want to promise anybody anything before I knew it was going to happen. Um, so I was just kind of doing that with everybody, figuring out where they're at, what they want to do, would they fit the role? And then, you know, I think uh, I held off on Ollie for a long, long time. And then uh, just at the start of the year, we, we confirmed it, um, the role. So maybe ask Ollie on that as well, because, yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people that I was questioning quite deeply without telling them why or what I was doing. And Ollie was one of those. Go on, Ollie, talk about that from your experience. <laughs> I I have to say, I was chuckling away as Joe was saying there, because, yeah, I, I, do, I remember probably only since... Joe saying just on this on this podcast that he'd had the initial call with Intense at the World Champs in Scotland. And I remember that was when the first kind of conversation was, I wouldn't even call it a conversation, just like him just questioning me, just asking me what I'm wanting to do next year and all this stuff. And if I'm honest, I just thought it was a good friend interested in where <laughs> I was at. I, I never really thought... It was anything more than that, and 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 as the as he asked a few more times, not just that weekend, but you know over the following months, again I was like I I I knew he was then sort of maybe trying to pull something together, but if I'm brutally honest, and I haven't told Joe this, like I I kind of thought he was dreaming a bit at the time. I was like I was totally I was like look if we can get this band back together from the intense UK days, then you know I'm I'm keen, but I was sort of thought. Let's let's let him go and uh, and see what happens and then uh, but then as it got closer and closer to to be fair by the sort of end of the season you know nicely into the off season I knew it was a reality because we had started having some more kind of firm conversations at that point um, but I don't I think Joe would be honest in saying he wasn't in a position uh, budget wise to like put me in place at that point like the I don't think he had the pieces of the puzzle completely sorted um to be able to guarantee so um so yeah so i was i was sitting there kind of waiting for the phone call more than anything else <laughs> also slightly panicking that if i got the phone call that i knew there was an awful lot of work to do <laughs> for sure yeah how do you feel about taking on a manager a team manager role because so your background within the sport anyway is like the performance side so you've been working with laurie greenland you've been working with the mondraker or ms mondraker team over the last couple of years helping trackside helping with performance but you've you also run your own businesses you've got a coaching business um you've got a background in the corporate world like how do you feel about expanding into this management role right because it's a lot broader than i guess what you've been doing in the 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 what the race space anyway for the last couple of years definitely yeah yeah i mean on a personal note i feel like it's the ideal time for me it's uh whether that be because of age or where I'm sort of placed in in my kind of career within the industry and within the sport, um, it's the right time. And that's probably the thing. The one thing I said to Joe back in um, sort of August time at the World Champs, that I'm ready for that kind of next stage personally. Um, the Yes, and you're right. So it's there's this kind of situation of using hopefully my experience from my corporate days where I was like managed teams and in... Um, managed training teams uh, across the UK. Um, I obviously had that little bit of experience with Intense UK. Obviously, it was mostly national with with then sending the likes of Joe and Charlie to World Cups. So um, there was bits and pieces there in terms of UCI, but it wasn't the full, it wasn't anywhere near the role that we're doing this time. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, yeah, but in simple, I'd summarise it as I'm ready. Like naturally, there's going to be some learnings. Joe's aware of that, but um, hopefully, I can bring a bit of fresh set of eyes to the um, to the project 
Um, I, I mean, I think I've learned a hell of a lot in the first three weeks that I've been doing the job already, to be fair. Like, PR was not a strong point of mine. And uh, now I've kind of, since we've had to do this launch, you know, and I've had great support, obviously, from Intense and and the likes of Mark. And obviously, Joe's been involved um, in the PR side of things. But that's been a, you know, a huge learning curve already. So, um, yeah, definitely lots to learn uh, going into it with... Uh, the vulnerability that I think you know anybody should have, um, but itching like I would, if I'm honest, like my creativity is just like uh, going and uh, yeah, I think I have to check in with Joe every now and again, but um, can't wait to get going with some ideas. Good stuff. So it was an obvious yes for you then. You weren't. It was. There was no like debate as to whether you take the the role if it existed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, like I say, just for a, for a time of life. But also, to be fair, beyond that, like I say, me and Joe have worked with each other um, and ridden with each other for years. And, and actually, even after Intense UK, me and Joe would always spend time at national races. It would always be us two, like, you know, even during my times on Mondraker or Pivot. Like, we'd, at Nationals, me and Joe would always meet and we'd always do the national racing together. So I think... The other side of it is the relationship side of things, and that's that's super important, isn't it? Knowing that you're going into something that, you know, you're going to be able to work with the people you you you're going to spend basically the condensed whole of your summer with, and then obviously certain points through the winter with. For sure, I remember seeing you at um, national champs last season. You were riding with Joe all weekend in the mud, and I don't think I've ever seen you with a bigger smile on your face. You were so happy with life. <laughs> well yeah yeah i mean yeah you see it in action it's just it's fun and isn't that the first that's the first thing about i think why joe and i like joe's and my kind of focus here is that like like that vibe that that fun side of things is, is going to be huge and and that's the that's the sort of starting point of any sort of level of performance in in both our eyes and i think that's why um yeah, hopefully that's why Joe took me on and uh, and why I wanted to be involved with the team. Nice, yeah, to, sounds good. To mate. expand on that, like uh, that's a huge point. I think for me, the two main focuses were number one, team environment, and you know, carrying on from what we discussed before. I felt I could with like foresee that perfect group, and of course, no, no, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but a very good group, very solid group, and so team environment is always the priority. And as I say, I think people like Ollie Stout, all the riders I had in mind and the rest of the staff bring such a good vibe. And that was, I would say, the single thing I thought about the most. And of course, it's like the amount of imagination that went through my brain of trying to piece together like, OK, how's Ollie and Stout going to work together? That's my mechanic. How's um, Ollie and all the riders going to get on? How's the mechanics going to get on with the riders and the brands? It's like that was the thing I probably, not wasted, spent the most energy um, trying to think about because over all my years, I think, you know, I've understood how far team environment goes in terms of performance, you know. Um, I think you would take worse product and have a great team environment rather than good product and a bad team environment. Um, simply because if you're in a happy place and you're, you know, that puts you in a position to send it, to be committed, to happily commit and to enjoy racing, that's what really matters. And of course, a close second was then the lineup of products. Um, and as you can see from our lineup of brands, there was no compromise there. So those were the two key aspects. And uh, environment goes above and beyond everything in my eyes. So yeah, 
Ollie's a, a great good. addition to that. Yeah. Tell me a bit about then how you pull all this together. I guess we need to maybe we start off with budgets. I, I don't I'm not don't want to pry too much, but if we take rider salaries out of the equation, what sort of sum of money are you needing to try and raise in order to get four riders and all the team staff around a season of World Cups in like relative comfort? Just to you know, give us a ballpark figure of the sort of sum of money you've got to find. Yeah. Um, I think ballpark for the level we'll be doing at first year is around two hundred thousand. Um, you know, okay. give or give or take. You know, that's of course no salaries, nothing. Um, we've got to be efficient and effective with how we spend. Um, but yeah, two hundred plus salaries is um, possible, feasible. We're fortunate that we we've got um, a lot of assets in terms of vehicles and tent, uh, pit setup and stuff like that. So. That's taken all of that out of the equation. We don't need to buy any assets as such right now. Um, so, yeah, that's it. But then salaries is, you know, a big portion of it. So it goes a, a, a lot up after that. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, the actual and then numbers I, I always, are a lot bigger. Yeah, I always knew that, that this year was going to be an extremely difficult year to launch and run a team. Um, and so... From from day one, I, I knew that we had to try and target financials from outside the industry. So I'll be honest, that has been the biggest push of all. And right now we have nothing signed to you know bring to the public and push. But um, it's something we're very close to introducing. And that would be kind of a major step for us and I think for the industry. And that's some, somewhere I really want to drive it because I think we have an amazing show um with huge potential but we just need to to sell that to pitch that to external industry brands and really get it out there to you know to be known because i i'd be amazed if anybody walks up to leger world cup and is disappointed like the that event is so unique the downhill races are so unique um and the race is getting tighter and tighter and there's a new winner every you know almost every round last year it's in my eyes, an unbelievable sport that is just not witnessed enough. So I'm trying to help push that direction. Um, and I think that's the way it will start to go in the, in the coming years. And for me, as I say, it's been a, a huge push. But right now, we, we haven't got a, a firm thing that we can promote as of yet. But uh, we're pretty close. And, and I knew that that is critical given the current state of the industry, our industry, yeah, the cycling definitely. industry. Yeah, not an easy not an easy time. I was going to say, yeah, to go out and ask for for cash from people for race teams when you know we've heard of many riders without deals, we've heard of teams folding, all this kind of stuff. It must have been tricky. Like, how important was your network in all of this? Because you're the kind of guy I think that makes an effort with people when you meet them, and I'm guessing maybe some of that stuff started to really pay back, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was something else, right? which sort of gave me the confidence to be able to pursue this and that's the relationships I've built up over the years. Um, within the industry, I felt like to pretty much any brand, I can I have a good contact and a good relationship and can go to and have a conversation, like an open conversation, share the vision, explain what we want to do and then see if they want to come on board. So within the industry, it's not so much of an issue. Like, you know, I've been professional for six, seven years and always pushed 
like the the relation side of things something i really enjoy i love the connection between people um but the external industry was obviously is a lot tougher um because i don't know that you know anything outside of my industry really really well but um yeah like you know i've just had to be creative and we've had to be creative and thinking of ways to to get in and um you know it's a new challenge and forming new relationships is something i've always loved so that's been a, a really exciting um project in itself you know there's the that's a whole different avenue um which is the biggest job of them all but also the most exciting one so yeah it's good that you've been enjoying it man how was uh jeff steber's response when you said you wanted to like recreate intense factory racing um i think he was excited though i think he was always quite uh what's the word i, I I wasn't sure he was confident in the scale we were going to do it. I'm not sure he was confident. Um, you know, I'm 24. He knows me as a rider, nothing more um, at that point. So I think he was a little bit, okay, this is super cool and we want to push it, but let's see what it actually looks like. And I know when we got to team camp in California, I think he was a little bit gobsmacked by um, the sort of level at which we were doing it in terms of, you know, product, riders, staff, media production. I think it was like, wow, okay, um, they actually mean business and they're here to do things properly, not just mess about. So I think from uh, Team Camp, yeah, like he's he's set and pretty stoked now. Like he seemed to be pretty buzzing and, and well, uh, well supportive of our programme. So. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just going to add to that. I think buzzing was is the is an understatement. When once Jeff got the bikes out there on the track, he was uh, he was texting me every morning like, oh, how are the guys getting on? How are the bikes? How's this? He was just, it, I was almost like. I felt like maybe what, like, I was like, the next day I was like, do you want to come with us, Jeff? Like, for the <laughs> testing, you know? Like, I know you're a busy man, but he was so buzzing about it, um, <clears throat> which, which just, you know, that then, you know, it's infectious, isn't it? You know, when somebody's like that, that then helps you even more, like, want to deliver for, for that person, for that brand. So, yeah, it was, it was receiving those those texts i actually started preempting them so like by about day three or four i started texting him in the morning a little photo of the boys or you know the guys on the bike and and stuff like that just to keep him uh keep him in the loop so yeah great to see yeah definitely man it's awesome so joe tell us a bit about who you've got on board then what uh what sponsors have you brought on for what bits of the the bike uh yeah so as I, as I mentioned before, it's one hell of a dream build and, and everything was, uh, every decision was not taken lightly. So from the ground up, we've obviously got the Intense M1 frame, which is coming into production um, to the public in, I think, spring this year. So as I mentioned before, a huge, huge part of it. Um, I believe the bike is for sure the best one I've ever, ever ridden. And I'd be surprised if there's anything on the market that is better, um, to be honest. So that's huge. You know, frame is everything. And then suspension, Olin's, um, I actually spent quite a lot of time testing multiple brands, um, you know, over the last few months trying to figure out which was the best performance route for us. And, and I was confident, very confident in the decision to move with Olin's, uh, you know, many reasons on that front. And then from there, Continental Tires, again, tested almost everything, all the major brands for sure. And that was a pretty clear winner for me. So um, committed there. Then one up simply for the cockpit, you know, 
coming back to the arm pump thing, we've been um, you know trying to get as much compliance through the bike, whether that's wheels, tires, cockpit, suspension. Um, I think One Up was a, a great lineup for that with their the design of handlebars. And then what have we got? E13. I've been with them for for years. I think four over four years now, and I they're so so great to work with like the engineers and the owners um always looking to push and sort of innovate new stuff and lead you know, the field in terms of technology and you know me and Stata play quite a big role in in that development side over the years and some of the stuff they've got coming is super exciting so um that was an obvious one for us um that's hubs rims cranks chain guide stuff like that and then what else am I missing? Um, there's a couple couple partners still to be confirmed, like Saddle, Grips. Um, but yeah, they're the major ones. And then obviously Choi Lee Designs head to toe. I've been personally with Choi Lee for, for years. Um, I maybe think five years of my career. Um, but to get the whole team in, in Choi Lee is amazing. Um, so yeah, it's just a dream setup, head to toe, um, body and bike. So yeah, pretty stoked. Yeah, what about brakes? Don't think we talk brakes. Brakes, yeah, good point. Um, we've gone TRP for brakes, which is uh-huh. cool. And then, and then one other factor I forgot actually is uh, JTEC. He's um, you know um, tuning company, suspension tuning company out of the UK. I've done a lot yeah. of my testing um, and work with him since I was a youth. And uh, yeah, the opportunity came up to bring him in as uh, bring them in as our sort of testing and servicing centre. So. The riders are, I know next week, um, Oscar Junior's got a, a telemetry or data acquisition day with Jim and, and he's tuning our suspension internally and um, getting all the, everybody set up to the kinematics of the bike and riding styles and weight of everybody on the team. So they're a, they're a critical partner from, from a performance standpoint to get everything running sweet and, and that's been amazing so far. Yeah, nice man. Have you so have you as literally have you been in a position where every decision has been able to be like you've had a choice and you've picked the best performing have you turned down like higher sums of money potentially to take product that performs better like i can't imagine in the industry at the moment that it's like you can be in a position that's quite that good but you maybe you've managed to achieve it no absolutely um i'll be honest like we had um on the tire side and suspension side particularly the more major um partnership we say we had you know, significant financial offers, um, which were very tempting for obvious reasons, you know, budget to meet and blah, blah, blah. But I, I decided that it just wasn't longevity of the team and performance wise, it wasn't worth it. Um, so I just literally at every hurdle chose the, the best product, the, the product, which I felt gave the team the highest chance of success in the coming years. And now that has, of course, come at a cost and um, basically the easiest way for me to to be able to make that happen is just simply not to pay myself. So as a rider, I'm not taking anything out of the team whatsoever. Um, in fact, quite the opposite of putting money in. And that was simply so that we could, that all of us could run the best product. You know, I could have taken the bigger financial deals um, and paid myself and not had to invest. But, uh, you know, as I said before, performance is, is at the top of our priority list in terms of product. So I just wanted to stick by that. And I think longevity of the team, it will, it will be rewarded for us all. 
Fair play, mate. Good on you. Yeah, the vision is clearly very performance focused. And other than like the bike and the components, maybe Ollie, we can shoot to you on this one. Like, what do you think's needed to be put in place from like a staff and infrastructure place, infrastructure perspective to support that that performance goal? Because every team goes at it a bit differently, right? And budgets are different everywhere. But what sort of stuff did you guys feel was important? Yeah, good, uh, good question. And I think the it, for us, it's and I think it this feeds on from what Joe's saying. But it's it it starts actually at the the riders themselves and the staff for that matter, but the people within the team. So we've obviously as the list that Joe's gone through of uh, of equipment is you know your kind of wish list almost isn't it you know what i mean you'd go through those in fact joe i think the uh, the only one you missed is the pedals that the whole team are on ht pedals again awesome brand um and to be fair so supportive like really engaging brand from even the few weeks that i've been involved um and and you know for what is actually quite a, quite a small part you know but they've been they've been very involved and very very supportive um up until now so yeah, like you say, you've got the equipment, but the people um, is kind of the biggest thing. And that's where, for me, it's going to be trying to set up a whole environment that um, is for those people. So, uh, you know, and I, I haven't even gone into some of these ideas with Joe yet, but there's quite a lot around like the pits that I want to kind of create uh, a kind of a rider experience, should you say. And I don't mean experience that <laughs> where they can just go and watch movies and uh, and things like this. I mean experience as in like try and make it as smooth running as they can as they work their way through the uh, through their day, through their weekend. Um, and then obviously so they can hopefully get to the point of racing as smooth as they can. So there's things around the pits. There's things in around obviously the planning side of things. So making sure that it's as smooth as we can. Um, with planning and putting things in place that, um, again, just make it easier. That's that's kind of, I think, what performance is. Like, uh, I think a lot of people speak about performance as the performance person's the person that makes the rider win, whereas I just see it as that it makes it easier for the rider to win, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, if we can put everything in place, we've got a great group of riders, which I'm sure we'll go through um, in more depth in a minute, um they've all got the right attitude which is so important like if you attitude i wish you i think i probably said on the podcast last year the post race that i'd always say attitude beats lines but uh, to a point attitude beats talent you know yes you do still need talent as well if you come in you can't ride a bike and you have great attitude it's probably not quite there but with that great attitude you'll soon bloody learn and uh and i think that's the thing so um yeah the right attitude right behaviors the right things in place make it as easy as we can and then uh, and then we can see like i say we we'll see where these people end up in terms of results yeah definitely joe talk to us about um team infrastructure you mentioned that you hadn't had to invest significantly in like assets for the team what will the setup be like i'm assuming you won't be rolling in year one in a massive articulated truck but no um... really joe we're we not <laughs> For the, for the, you know, that was actually, that was very much a, a dream for a while. Um, when I thought we could still secure external entry partner for um, this year, you know, that was an idea and we had it all priced up as to how and why and what. And, and of course, that makes it logistically challenging, financially challenging, particularly the initial outlay. Um, so I think that will come, you know, we've got our eyes on the future for that, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, for now it's like there's so, so many things that are new. Let's not 
complicate it too much. And, you know, we haven't currently got the financials to even have done it. So it wasn't realistic for this year. But, you know, we've got um, half the the intent set up from last year, already the intent zone. So we'll have that. And then, um, you know, we'll have to buy um, another easy up on top of that just to go with it. And then we've got awnings or fans. And, um, you know, between us, we've all got vans we can use and a motorhome which will all make the setup. So it's basically going to be two vans with a trailer, um, motorhome, and then, yeah, those easy ups that we've had with Intense Factory Racing for the last couple of years. So pretty good setup. Um, I know, you know, Ollie's already been planning the the setup at the pits for, to be most effective for all staff and riders, and it's looking great. Um, so I think we'd just be super efficient with what we've got. And, yeah, look to build from there. For the years to come, but it's it's going to be very similar to what you know I've been on with intense factory racing for the last couple of years. Yeah, nice. How do you go about choosing the riders then, Joe? It sounds like you were able to just go and pick up the exact riders that you wanted. Is that actual reality? Like, could you just, just stroll um, in and get everyone you wanted straight <laughs> off? Or it was a long it was a long process. Um, I wouldn't say right first phone call done contract done by the day. Definitely not. Again, it was not something I took lightly because I, I understood the riders uh, a key components to this overall team environment, which I was so focused on. Um, equally, there were a lot of riders up uh, and available. So there was actually quite a lot of options. Uh, again, I think in the early stages, uh, I was talking with riders, but not really telling them why or what I was doing, just as a friend and interest to see where everybody was at and who was interested in the move and who wasn't. Um, and I had loads of conversations, you know, you know, getting to know people better, playing with, um, you know, certain, should we say, forms of team that I think would build. Because, you know, you can't just, you you have to be, I think, choose quite wisely the, the people you bring together and that be confident they'd actually feed off each other and help each other and, and build together rather than against each other. So that was critical. Um, yeah, without, without naming names, like there was several top elites that, I had conversations with, but you know, by the end was not realistic in the time frame that we had. Um, yeah. And then Oscar Griffiths was a junior who I always knew I wanted. Um, I've coached him for over twelve months now and done a lot of camps with him and helped him from you know both the technical aspect on the bike and you know just psychological in terms of you know performing at the races. And that kid has talent like I've never coach talent like that before um and along with that of course you need the work ethic um and i've seen that he has both and uh he's shown extreme speed last year but just never like post it consistently in terms of results and so that's kind of what you know you have to know behind the scenes to really see that without you know those every, hitting results every week in week out and so oscar i knew was like I really want to support that kid. His work ethic is so new to the sport and the speed he's going with only like three years in racing is ridiculous. So for me, bang, exciting junior, let's try and, you know, give him the program to develop into, you know, an elite champion. Um, and then, yeah, from that, it was like, okay, where do we want to build? Um, Oscar's a great person um, personally. Like he's lovely to be around. He's super friendly, super supportive um, and not hard work in any way. So team environment box ticked uh, ability box ticked and then you know Louise is fantastic um, I've watched her ride and she just looks super free and loose uh, like 
a natural ability on a bike or should we say developed skills on a bike over the years are just fantastic and there's very few females who who ride like that and um then again that the attitude she carries positivity energy um you know that was evident in our first team camp the positivity in the worst scenarios is is unbelievable um so that goes a long way again for the whole team and keeping everybody high and then you know her first year of racing world cups was 2022 and she had a first world cup podium already in a second world cup and then um last year was her first full season racing world cups and she had fourth world champs and showed great speed um, alongside that she was Red Bull Hardline um, sorry voted Rider of the Week at Red Bull Hardline which is insane like the jumps she was doing and with the confidence and um, commitment she had was just again not really seen so I think yeah given the experience and a great platform uh, team wise she's got huge potential and then Ryder Lawrence uh, ran out the board for us uh, exciting 16 year old first year junior from California he's been with Intense for years and years and his dad used to ride for the uh, for Intense back in I don't know I could be wrong like the 90s or something um, far before my time um, and like, yeah I think that opened us kind of to not just be sole UK riders we've got you know a, a US based uh, rider who has an insane sort of um, history of riding BMX freestyle, um, BMX racing, and then more recent years, again, downhill. And I think, again, that his commitment to it, his natural ability, skills across the board um, is fantastic. And he brings a, a different attitude to the team of like a pretty bad, we call, I call him a bad dude. Like he's a, he's just, um, I don't, I don't even know how to explain him like a, oh, Ollie, how would you explain Ryder? He he carries a different <laughs> character, which is just fantastic. He he does, yeah. It's so funny because um, when you put him next to Oscar, so similar age, or well, Oscar's second year junior, Ryder first year, but similar age, similar sort of speed, all this stuff. But their their background in the both in the sport and in life is just completely different you know like you've got Oscar from Surrey growing up in the south of England um only been riding a few years but like that dedication commitment and obviously the support he's had from the likes of Joe has got him to his speed and then you've got um Ryder like with this like typical typical southern Californian dude um like lives on a ranch, you know, just out, just up the road from Temecula, uh, rides dirt bikes. You, you can kind of get the image, but what's, what's actually kind of cool with them to the two of them. And it, sure, it's only been a week, but they, they got on really, really well. It was, it was like chalk and cheese in ter- terms of background, but, um, both of them got on so well. And, uh, yeah, it, they were almost gotten better when you left them on their own a little bit, you know? So it was, uh, yeah, great to see. Definitely. What was it like getting everyone together for team camp, Joe? Right, I guess I'm right in saying that's the first time all four of you, as riders, have been together, and then also with the team staff as well. Like, it's quite a moment because you've got you've planned it in your head. You kind of think you know how everyone's going to fit together, but you don't know for real, do you, until you get everyone in the same place? No, great point. Um, it was a fantastic week, to be honest. I think maybe this is the first moment I'm sitting down actually appreciating. Um, how that week went and and the the group we formed um, to make that week so good 
because for me at the time the week was pretty hectic you know Ollie was um you know we confirmed his role and brought him on full-time maybe a week before that camp so like the transition of roles because I'd kind of been managing everything before that um I was trying to ride train handle the media launch handle logistics everything and we're transitioning across to Ollie so from my perspective I didn't really get to appreciate it as much as I'd like to have but looking back now the way everybody clicked, the way everybody worked together, the way everybody supported each other and was stoked for each other was exactly how I'd envisioned. In fact, I think it was better than how I'd envisioned. Um, and that is something like I hope continues and I'm sure will continue uh, simply because of the characters we have and their attitudes. But um, yeah, as you say, you never know until you know. And I really think we've nailed it with this one. Um, so that is... I'd say maybe, you know, something that I'm most proud of and confident in is that group of people. And that week definitely inspired confidence for that. But yeah, again, Ollie, like, I'll let you put your input on that because um, maybe you got to appreciate a little bit more than me, but I think you were just as hectic (laughs) work-wise. Yeah, well said. Yeah, well, I think both you and I saw uh, at least midnight every night, didn't we, (laughs) that week, mate, as we were going through. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was a a crazy busy week, but um, uh, definitely um, could see it throughout the week. And and uh, the, the way everyone was working together, it wasn't like it was by no means an easy week because of certain elements of the planning were having to happen quite late with me coming on late. Um, so it was, you know, it wasn't the easiest situation to be thrown into, like especially the first sort of three days of it between me and Joe, we were so busy. I don't think we could like do the, like we were trying to set up like team bonding things and all that, the usual stuff that you'd want to do as a, as a new group of riders, but we kind of couldn't really do that because there was so much other things that we had to sort um so but even with even with that being the case i think we got the bikes ready and fair play to john uh for this but uh and john hall and the intense guys uh and obviously the rest of the brands like to get the bikes ready i think we were a day later than we'd hoped once we got out there but a day is pretty blooming good even not taking that uh uh things into consideration um so yeah, it just it just it just worked, and like you say, there's there's a there's more of a test to go yet. You know, one week's only one week, and uh, and obviously uh, we've got a, a race season to get through. But um, but yeah, really positive signs so far. Yeah, and a good sign of a of a team functioning well together is how they deal with adversity. And I think you had a bit of adversity thrown into that week, Ollie. You mentioned there was a broken arm at some point during team camp, which is not not a great uh, way to start your first uh, group group uh, session together, is it? Well, I think on on it might have even been all on the same day or over two days. We had two broken trucks and one broken arm. Same and, day. Uh, it was the same day. It was yeah. it one truck? Yeah, it was all the same day. Yeah, and uh, it's a blur to me now because I ended up in like hospital uh, with poor uh, young rider, um, rider's dad Randy. He was absolutely. He was so. It was so funny actually. Randy. Randy was on the phone to me, apologising to me for like his. This was first his trucks breaking down, or his truck breaking down, and then and I was apologising to him for being in the truck when it broke down <laughs> and like so we were just kind of both very apologetic which I think was so cool and, and kind of a sign of hopefully how our, the, the team seems to be already that people both showing 
uh, show them true empathy. You know, like both see everyone in the team sort of seeing the other person's situation and not just maybe looking at their own and going, oh, you know, like like blaming somebody else or whatever. Actually, he's looking and going, okay, that's quite a shit situation. Are you okay? And then doing it back to them and. And uh, yeah, it's quite funny. I didn't realise too halfway through a conversation with uh, with Randy how um, how we were literally apologising to each other. So <laughs> yeah, we definitely we definitely had a lot of adversity. And um, uh, yeah, but group- yeah, weirdly, I'd almost forgotten about it. You know, like it was just part of it was part of the week. Yeah, we had to take uh, a rider to hospital and and. And yeah, we had to fix trucks, but it didn't. That actually—I mean, I definitely didn't put a damper on it. And I don't. It was just another thing we had to just get sorted on the week. It didn't seem to matter. Go on, Jay. You're going to add yeah. something. Yeah, and uh, and the difficulty was, was just that we were str- stranded about an hour and a bit from from our accommodation with no way to get home. Uh, like I don't know, seven, eight, nine of us probably with five bikes, something like that. Um, and it was already <laughs> late at night, so. The whole day was long, but like again, everybody just got together and and HT that day were amazing. They were out shooting with us and helped lift back. And this is where like all the brands, the staff, the riders, like everybody together just seems to be in it together. If that makes sense, like HD, we did us a a worldie then, and then um, Ollie got like an Uber to some car rental to get a seven seater to get the people back, and like it it was a bit hectic. Um, And you'd never have. You could never have planned for that event to happen, but we dealt with it super um, efficiently and effectively as a group. Uh, and as I say, that goes beyond just our team. That was intense, John Hall and HD crew for, for digging and helping out. So it's a team effort across the board. And, and that was so great to see that we, we all stayed calm and made it successful despite you know the challenges that arose that week. Yeah, pretty much the perfect team building session if you could uh, design one. Not that we'd <laughs> want to do it, but probably worked out pretty good. Um, to be fair, to be fair, I reckon then. it's worth having the uh, the dude in the rental car company on the team as well. Because <laughs> when I arrived, it, it was uh, maybe not much bigger than a sort of shed. I would say, you know, that we're, we're not talking like enterprise rental cars here. This tiny shed I ended up with this guy and he was uh, he was so helpful, fair play. It didn't it didn't even charge us that much either and we had a rental car for the week then. So uh, yeah, like you say, a good uh, a scenario you wouldn't plan and wouldn't want yeah. to happen, but actually uh, gave us some gave us some really positive uh, team bonding exercises. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to hear man. Joe, talk to us a little bit about like I'm going to use a business term, I guess, deliverables. Are you are you, are you selling the team to sponsors and incoming brands on results? Are you selling it on media exposure? Like, how are you looking at it? Um, yeah, good question. Uh, I see an extremely young, exciting team who can all become those big dogs, should we say? Um, and so that's one aspect of it. It's like um, you know, forming new champions, creating um, you know, for me the platform to enable that to become a reality. Um, and so I believe that, as I've said before, every rider that we have on the team has a very high chance, or I'll try to say high chance, you know, there's only very few who can make it to be a champion, but I think every single one of them are very well positioned to make it all the way. And I think the brands can also see that, um, some more than others, depending on how well you know the athletes and the riders and what you've seen on them. That's definitely one aspect. Um the second thing which you can't say too much on right now is definitely um, a kind of media standpoint. 
won't go into any further details at this point. Uh, would love to, but just can't really. And yeah, I think those are probably the two sort of most valuable aspects in which we discuss with the with the sponsors. And I think they're pretty buzzing with it. And you know, here every as I said, every single sponsor is well thought out, and that's long term. So I have to be able to see a long term partnership and vision. Of course, you know, unplanned events might happen, and we might have to make changes at some point. But you know, every partner that has been selected for twenty four. I can see a long-term partnership with who will build and with these riders, with our program, with our media outlet and, and benefit, you know, for the long-term everybody. So yeah, I think those are the kind of two main points that are pushed across. Yeah. And what about you for your own rider, man? Like it sounds like you've been uh, pretty hectic for the last few months, at least pulling all of this stuff together. I can, <laughs> can only imagine how much work that involves, but like, Bringing Ollie on board, hopefully you can offload some of that, but it's still going to keep you busy, right? How are you managing to balance, like training, preparation for the season? Are you, do you feel you need to like lower your expectations going into this year, or like how are you how are you looking at it all? Yeah, uh, definitely not lowering my expectations. In, in fact, quite the opposite. Um, I mean, expectations you don't really want to have them, but you know, I'm more confident than I have been in the position I'm sat now. Yes, it's been super hectic. And, you know, as an athlete, personally, I always try to get uh, nine to 10 hours sleep from like a heavy training perspective, like recover right, train right, blah, blah, blah. I'll be honest, like the, the camp in California was more six hours sleep, um, full day riding, and then, you know, full day of whatever it was the team had to do in the evenings or first thing in the morning. And and that's not sustainable as a, as a as an athlete who wants to perform at their best. But I think that was, you know, kind of short term. It's not going to continue like that. Um, obviously, from that initial phone call uh, from Intense in August at World Champs to, um, let's say, January, now was like hours I've never worked before. Um, still trying to train. And to be fair, it's it's good because the training puts you in a good mindset to work and the work makes you want to get out on the bike. And so it actually plays into each other's favour. Um, but it's just like the longevity of it. I don't think I could work that much, that frequently, uh, and for it to be sustainable throughout a race season to perform at a high level. So as I say, that's where, you know, Ollie's come in and, and there are other, you know, members of the team who are, who are helping take over all the stuff I've been doing so I can refocus on being an athlete. And of course, yes, Chris, there's still going to be stuff that needs doing. Um, but it will be minimal compared to what it has been the last few months. So, yeah, for me, like uh, as I say, um, go on, Ali. No, I was just. Oh, sorry, Joe. I didn't mean to. I was interrupt, but yeah, I was just going to back up uh, what Joe's saying there. That number one, Joe really enjoys that. Uh, clearly, really enjoys like the setting up of the team and the ownership side of things. And you know, I have to totally commend him and what he's done because it's been insane like and, and so many people have even me have thought he was dreaming and other people along the lines have just uh, think he's crazy with the time of you know time of the industry la 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 but he's like it you know he's got that kind of clear understanding of what he kind of wants it to look like the positive attitude the types of brands how the kind of thing wants to look um and he's and he's very clearly relayed that to me in fact i don't know if he's re- it's funny how I've sort of got the information, really, but it's been very obvious. It sort of oozes out of him, I would say, in terms of what how he wants it to be. Um, so you just, yeah, you just have to credit him 100% in that. 
Um, but you're right in asking the question, Chris, because I also think, yeah, you know, there's I, I say like keep saying to Joe, I'm like, right, now go and be a rider, now go and be a rider, kind of thing, because he does enjoy this side of it, if you know what I mean. Like he he, he really does, and that's cool, you know, and that's why he's so passionate and managed to pull together such a good program. Um, but that, as, as as Joe admits, it can't carry on that way. Like he, if he carries on doing it. F- too much with those five hours sleep and lots of admin duties and you know relationships that he's doing if he if that carries on too much then he will definitely succeed in one thing and that'd be the team ownership thing but the other you know you, you can't do it all the other thing may well slip um i think though at the moment joe's really aware of it i'm really aware of it i think uh, um I think his extra hunger with it being his own team is actually going to help him more this year, even though maybe he's had a couple hours less on the bike before Christmas. Um, but now he's in now he's in New Zealand. He'll get that bike time. I'm trying to leave him alone in terms of uh, in terms of like management duties and just get on with stuff um, and only try to. I think over the next week the sway's already started, and I think over the next couple of weeks it's going to be really good where we we talk. We talk Joe's speed on the bike rather than his uh, efficiency behind the laptop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair. yeah. Joe, have you I spent just... much time chatting to Bernard about this? Because like he seems to have managed to find a way to make performance and team ownership, team management work together super well. It maybe took him a little while to get it all like gelling, but it's, it's obviously doable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have thought of Bernard a few times throughout this whole process. Um, I think he was 24 when he, when he took over like the pivot team or started the pivot team. Um, and I think it took him a few years to like kind of get the people in place to run it. Um, I think he still does an awful lot, but just kind of settle into it and focus back on performance. But yeah, BK is BK. He's, he's always going to have a ton going on. It's, it's not just the team. It's the social media aspect, the YouTube now, BK Sport. Um, and fair play. He, he manages it all really well, you know, still right up there at the top of the World Cups. Um, so personally, no, I haven't spoken to him whatsoever about it, but I have kind of used him as a reference in my brain of, to see what he's done and how he's done it. Um, and I don't think I want to be quite as full on and as hectic as, as Bernard. Uh, it seems like he has an awful lot going on, but um, it's inspirational to see how he has done it and still succeeded with both the team and his riding career himself. Um, for me, like the the team that we have now, I think is the best kind of standpoint for performance for me that I've ever had. As I say, the environment couldn't be any better and the the product couldn't be any better. So, of course, it's just now sitting back into being an athlete or should I say not sitting back but driving forward more as an athlete than a than a than a team owner so um yeah that's the transition I need to make and having made that transition or in that period now I think it's the best position I've ever been in to perform and I'm hugely focused on you know my goal is to win a world cup overall uh, as an elite and I think that's realistic it's just going to take a bit of time settling in and and hopefully keep things consistent with everybody we have and and uh, yeah, I'm going to do everything I can to make that push and make that a reality. Yeah. How fast do you feel the bike is compared to last year's bike, right? I assume the chassis is fundamentally the same as what you're on towards the end of last season, but obviously the the build kit, the package is pretty different. Like, do you, have you had a chance to back-to-back or what's your general feel for performance on it? 
Yeah, chassis is pretty much the same. It's just the production version, which is basically identical to what we ran at the end of last year. So no huge huge jumps there. It's so nice to actually jump on a bike and ride the same one week in, week out. The last couple of years, it's been oh, new bike every couple of weeks, like testing different things here, different things there. So that in itself is, is hugely beneficial, just getting on the same rig week in, week out, which as I say is now unbelievable. Um, and then product-wise, yeah, of course, everything's different. Suspension is completely different. The way the Olean's rides is very, very different to the Fox, but in in my view, it is only better. Um, so that's just been an easy transition. Components-wise, Conti, you know, I've already done a lot of testing on those in the past, so I understood how they rode and was confident in, confident in how they rode before making that decision, so it wasn't like, oh, are they going to be any good or not? Like, I knew they're good. I understand how they feel before, you know, confirming that deal um e13 and say hasn't changed so super familiar with with the products there so well set and then you know cockpit's different brakes are the same but cockpit is you know added uh, uh another increase like a performance benefit i believe and that's exactly why that um move was decided so again i don't think we've made a step back in any way um only step forward and none of them have been that challenging that far at all it's just you know learning a few few uh, unique things to each product and getting them set up right um but in no way has anything been a step back it's all just super exciting moving forward so yeah hasn't been too bad that side of things good stuff and ollie team camp seems to be a bigger and bigger part of things these days like downhill bike time and time functioning in that team unit is is really important to get people ready to be working together well as a unit at the races but it's expensive business getting everyone together um, scheduling it, making sure you've got somewhere that's ideally dry and warm and you've got mechanics there and all the kit that you need. You had the test out in uh, California, which hopefully went well other than the odd bits of breakdowns and broken arms. But are you going to be able to get the team together again pre-season? Like how, what does the plan look like between now and the first World Cup for you guys? Yeah, there's probably two sides of that really. So uh, naturally with Louise being in New Zealand, and uh, and ride around America, um, as you say, like financially flying people around for a camp each month and stuff like that is less realistic. Um, but what instead, what I'm trying to do is be in well, pretty much weekly. Like I've got a call with Louise tomorrow, but weekly communication with each of the riders so that they can still progress their their testing. And by testing, I mean rider and bike like it's a there's two things that need testing um and and make sure that they're all doing them but sort of not on their own if you know what i mean so although it literally will be on their own <laughs> although joe being in new zealand at the moment is is really useful because he'll have some time with louise um but at least there's like progression so it's not just like they all arrive like come spring summertime and off we go um so that's the first thing making sure that that happens and then secondly so the the final camps and this kind of there's many reasons to have a camp isn't there but as you've already described this kind of um time together team working together team operating together (laughs) without any uh, broken vans um uh is the other side of it so yeah we will do team camps and that's but that's going to be more april time so they'll be closer to the season um we'll get that time together we'll do some of those sort of simulations as as a race team um make sure that we're well um 
<laughs> I, I obviously well practiced, but I should be well rehearsed. Sounds kind of like a funny word, really, but I want to make sure that we don't kind of come out of round one and feel new. You know, I mm. want us to feel like we, everybody from a rider um, to a mechanic and every single person in between um, kind of knows what their tasks are uh, throughout that race week. Um, and it is a race week, isn't it? It's anything from travelling out on Monday through to the race runs and then travelling back on on the following Monday kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, rehearsing will be done through April um, and final camps. And then, uh, like I say, just trying to make sure that the communication is really good throughout the uh, throughout those couple of months in between. Yeah. What well, about you, just, Ollie, though, right? We've got... Oh, go on. Sorry, Jay. Just, just to add to that, like, um, of course... Flying from California and New Zealand, one is not really efficient for the riders. They kind of need a set place to like train and uh, do their work rather than, you know, different time zones, travel all the time. Um, that's obviously something we've got to be aware of. But equally, you know, uh, we've made sure that the riders, as, as Ollie says, can make that progress on their own with the support of the team uh, communication wise, but uh, with the mechanic on hand. So we've made sure that Louise has um, a mechanic in New Zealand. Uh, she wanted Casey Till. So Casey's on board in New Zealand to really help with the testing side, you know, from a day, not, not every day, but, you know, every month they're doing work and checking in and, and the same with Ryder in, um, in California, his dad, Randy is going to be his mechanic and is, is super involved. So they've got their own setup that is being pushed. And again, um, tuning back into the team and, and making sure, you know, or helping them age, uh, move in the right direction. And then back in the UK, Oscar, um, step head mechanics over there. So everybody's kind of, doing their own thing in their own area um but just with communication kept i think really well with with ollie on you know are we moving in the right direction is there something we should try or shouldn't try blah 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 blah. so yeah sorry chris back to you no that's good it sounds like you've got it dialed ollie i was going to ask you like you, the, the riders are out there getting physically ready getting bikes ready all of that side of things like is there stuff that you're working on to be an awesome team manager like how are you thinking about your sort of preparation for the season i guess i'm guessing there's a lot of day-to-day tasks involved like sorting everything out and booking things and planning but like is there sort of personal preparation does that make sense yeah no it does make sense totally yeah there's a few you know there's a few sides of that and i genuinely i've thought about this and probably obviously and i think this is why me and joe work quite well together because we do think through this stuff um but even down to like i've uh, <laughs> i don't even know if i want to share this but it's even down to my own fitness like i've been doing a lot of running recently like with a lot more like longer distance cardio recently because for me i know it's going to be super busy um you know i'm going to be trackside i want to put my all into that side of the role and and joe and i haven't spoken much about this but the the performance element of my role is 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 huge you know and it's what i obviously have more experience in um and then we're adding in the management stuff so um so for me yeah being being prepared from just from a physical side of things is is actually uh, uh quite an important thing because um they are going to be tiring weeks i'm probably not going to sleep an awful lot uh through those weeks um uh but need to make sure that i'm in good shape to be able to do that so yeah there's definitely that side of it which maybe sounds a little bit random but it's quite quite important if i'm taking on this kind of dual role you know like some of the bigger teams they'll have um you know, like maybe Canyon and Syndicate teams like this, you know, they'll have a team manager and then they'll have a trackside person kind of thing. And 
And Joe, Joe actually questioned me quite a lot whether I wanted to do both, and I and I actually really did. Like it's quite a quite a quite a big thing to me um, to be able to take that because I think they do actually overlap more than maybe we we would think. Um, so yeah, preparation in terms of that, and then the only other stuff for me is it's I come back to this rehearsal thing, but it's just making sure that everything and and uh, anybody who's worked with me before know that I'll be like this, but that everything is kind of. Um, uh, visioned and thought through all the way through that journey we will still miss stuff for sure like like that that's how it is you know if you if you're not missing stuff then there's nothing else to learn apparently so we will still miss stuff but if I can just make sure that I've sort of seen through each of the days Mm. and then seen through who's taking on each task and um uh through each of those days then there's not going to be any questions on the day you know there's not going to be a why wasn't that done because um the plan will be that we'll have somebody in place that will do that and 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 if i'm if i'm a prime example would be if i'm on track you know doing some my line spotting role but then some communication needs to happen with the uci then i need to make sure that i have somebody in place in and around the pits that's then going to go and take that on so it's you know things like that just making sure that it's uh, uh, well thought through but i think thought through again i re-say it but if you've, you're just listening to joe and for me re-listening to joe in this kind of summary of the past few months going on on this uh, podcast you know he has thought through all of those things and then that's led on to me to then carry on that kind of process so um yeah, that's probably the biggest side of my prep, really, the uh, thinking it through and getting the plan in place. Yeah, and at least the first round is at Fort William, which is a venue that's fami- very familiar to anyone in the British scene, for starters, and most people on the World Cup. So you've kind of got a bit of a leg up in that you're not... If Poland was the first round that no one's been to and no one knows what's going on, it would be a bit more of a headache, right? But I guess that Fort William start helps you a bit, Joe. Yeah, of course. Um, it's familiar, as 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 Ollie said and I've said on this podcast, we, we want to turn up to the first World Cup and for riders and staff and everybody to be as familiar with each other as possible, whether that's with the equipment, with each other. Um, and Fort William definitely helps that because it's a familiar environment in terms of location, track, um, etc. And Poland will be a whole new challenge, um, but I think we'll be better set for it after, uh, you know, one World, World Cup together at Fort William. Definitely, man. So where do you see this all going in the future, Joe? You've sort of alluded to the fact that a, a big truck was in your vision. So it suggests that you've got like grand ambitions for it. Do you, is this something you want to see grow? 100%, yeah. Um, I suppose, you know, beyond the big truck and the glamour and all that, um, my sort of big focus is, you know, I want this to be a programme that every rider wants to be on. Um what excites me the most is is kind of scouting talent and then nurturing it and like helping those people develop into um you know champions or uh, the big dogs like i referred to um earlier i think that is what excites me more than okay my motivation is to get 2 million budget and go out and sign like bruni loris vergier and whoever else you know it's like that's not my drive, but my drive is to, as I say, scout those who, you know, I think I have a very good eye for talent. Um, maybe that's just a bit, a bit um, cocky, but like I've always thought, like I've always looked at riders over the last few years and thought, God, like I wish I was in a position to be able to take this rider on and help them develop. It's just something 
I'm into. I think a lot of, you know, professional athletes are uh, a lot more selfish than that. They actually would prefer not help others be competitors to themselves in the years to come. But um, it's just something I've always wanted to do. So to now be in a position to, you know, look for that talent, spot that talent and then bring them on board and, and hopefully give them the platform to really help them develop as a rider is that's kind of my my main motivation and of course yeah, I don't want to let the riders go when they get to that point I want to support them all the way through um, their career but it's like yeah that whole you know looking for talent nurturing it bring it on and, and hopefully with that the team size in terms of lorry and assembly grows too but um, of course the, the main focus is not right <laughs> let's, get, let's get a big truck as soon as we can no not at all it's, uh, it's more focused around the riders and hopefully that leads on to that in in the future yeah, before we wrap up, we should. I, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the junior racing um, for this year, specifically the the men's, because you've got two riders in that category. It's going to be a pretty stacked category this year, right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of hot talent coming in in the younger ranks. Yeah, I think the junior racing is super exciting. It's a great time to have two juniors. Um, you know, with them now being televised, and you know. Riders starting to win elite World Cups at a far younger age than they ever used to. Uh, the sports, the dynamic of the sports changing. Um, it's getting younger and the junior races are getting far more competitive and more exciting to watch. So that's obviously the transition of, of the sport right now. And, and we're very much with that, with having two exciting and promising juniors. Um, so, yeah, I think watching those guys race... It's going to be just as exciting as watching the elite races because they're willing to throw it down more than anybody, I think. And uh, and there's not the same level of consistency with with that group because of their age and experience. So anything can happen at any moment. It's it's quite a race to watch, and and that scenes inside of that our sport is only growing. So super cool to you know play a big part of that and be involved with um, three you know two super exciting juniors. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I'm stoked for you. Like, I can't even imagine what it's taken to get from the middle of last season to where you are now. So massive respect for you for pulling it all together and making it happen. Um, I hope the results come flooding your way for you and the whole team over the season. I look forward to seeing how it all goes. If people want to keep up to date with the team, like, where should they be looking? Intense Factory Racing Instagram account. Um, obviously, each, each athlete's... Um pages which you'll find from the intense factory instagram account and then we've just launched a youtube um which is brand new intense factory racing and then our website is due to launch um any day now so yeah those are probably the three main areas right now um so yeah fire away on there awesome yeah i'll stick some links in the show notes so people can find all that stuff but yeah thanks guys it's been really interesting chatting uh, i will definitely be watching to see how you get on this season all the best and uh, yeah catch up with you both later in the year let me just jump on on one thing sorry um, Go, management wise so like myself ollie mark griffiths john stout is kind of what we're, we're classing as a management crew like the passion from all of those people has been phenomenal they're not just like oh it's it's a job um i'm going to take the salary and make it you know, like do the limited amount of work it's like ollie stout mark they are all super passionate and um throwing hours at this far beyond their paycheck so i just want to you know give a huge shout out to to that management team because with like the direction i've had from all of those people it would never have happened you know without you know all of that so 
to all them boys, huge thanks. Um, the graft is unreal and the passion is unreal. And so to them, thank you very much. And Chris, thanks for having us on. Great to be back on the channel. And uh, yeah, hopefully see you at the races as well this year. Nice one, Joe. Well said, mate. And it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Alright, that's it for this episode with Joe and Ollie. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thanks to Shimano for supporting this episode. Don't forget to check out their latest range of gravity-focused shoes over on their website mtb.shimano.com or at your local Shimano dealer. If you're not sure where your nearest dealer is, look for the big blue button marked Find My Dealer on the Shimano MTB homepage. I can highly recommend the GF8 Gore-Tex flat pedal shoes, which are perfect for riding in wet and cold conditions. Also, a massive thanks to We Are One Composites. Don't forget you can get 20% off site-wide, excluding bikes and frames, for the month of February using the code DOWNTIMEFEBRUARY2024 at the checkout on weareonecomposites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, February with a capital F, followed by the number 2024, with no spaces at weareonecomposites.com. If you want to help support the podcast this year, then the best way to do that is by visiting patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast and setting up a donation. You can also support by grabbing some of our fully updated merch lineup, which is now delivering locally in the US as well as the UK. Check it out over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Stay connected by following the podcast. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now or visiting downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook too, where we're at Downtime Podcast. And for an extra dose of downtime, you can sign up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride.